want somebody to just be grateful. Come on, would you just be thankful? Amen and amen. You may be seated if you can this morning. It's good to see all of you here. Amen in God's house. And we thank you for what uh, we know that the Lord can do today in the service. And we know that this morning uh, we get to be on a regular basis as we normally see some people that have been here to overflow. And there's maybe somebody that's brand new today. We thank God for you. I want to say how how great it is. Bethany mentioned this to me uh, a week or so back, and uh, I, we haven't said a, I haven't said a whole lot, but uh, you know I have people text me and say different things. But there's a, a couple of great things that have uh, happened in our our services, and of course we try to be mindful of people's privacy and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, we don't want to. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's great. I really believe to have uh, little Abigail. I'm saying that today because uh, some of you know the story and kind of where we were a little while back and how God gave us a, a brand new season uh, and a blessing. And I just want Amber to just stand up if she can. Tasha, turn that baby around. And we got more babies, and I don't want to, but come on. Aren't you glad God still keeps his word? Let everybody see that baby. Please let everybody see that baby. There will be a, a day I know Travis and Ashley, I know the, the Lord's blessed them. and I, I, I don't want to get too too involved there because I don't really know how far I need to get involved. But Travis, uh, if, you don't, if you'll stand up and just, just for a minute, is that all right? We're not putting a camera on you or anything. Aren't you glad? I mean, God's <laughs> blessing us. Some, thank you so much. Pa- Pastor, how are we going to grow the church? We're going to do it one at a time if we got to. We'll do whatever we got to. Just be careful drinking that water from that fountain out there. We know there's a common connection. Amen. Thank you so much. This didn't come from the fountain, did it? All right, thank you. (laughs) Man, what a wonderful week we've had in overflow. Great time. Great opportunity for God to bless. And uh, I'd ask this morning, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me uh, today, and that's no one's fault but my, my own, but we had over, well over 500 people that came through here uh, this past week, well over that, and I'm not trying to be stretch this in any way, but I'm just telling you, if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. We were, we were packed in here. I know Tuesday night was probably one of the highest numbers. Monday and Tuesday night were two of the highest numbers we had, and uh, I think if I understood right, there was 190 in the sanctuary and like eight or so in the nursery, and if you look around, there's there's not even quite 200 chairs out, or about there's around 200, not quite that, and so we were in here packed in, and, and we really enjoyed it. And so I want to share with you something this morning. First of all, let me just say it's good to have all of those that are watching online or listening online or however you're doing that. We want to welcome you to church. We want to welcome you to Refuge Church, and I want to mention to you that this uh, Wednesday night we're actually inviting all everybody into the auditorium. We'd love all of our youth, everybody. We want you to be here. We're going to probably take these two sections to start with, and we're going to fill them up, and we're going to bring everybody into this into the sanctuary or into the auditorium. We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to be worshiping, and we're going to have a time of word. It's kind of like a Sunday morning, but we're also going to have some what we call overflow testimonials. The Lord, we've been doing this for four years now, four times, and we have had some great things that have happened in this one in the one before and the one before that have never never been ho- told or heard. And I know at least one uh, or two from uh, the last couple of years that I want the Lord to be able to just share, and I've asked 
uh, at least one person to share with me, and that if you have something you'd like to share, we want you to. And, of course, we can't take all service to do it, but when we'd like to give you some time and opportunity, you can let Angela know that right here, or you can let me know it, and we would be happy to make sure that you get a chance to do that. That's this Wednesday, September 25th, 7 p.m., right in here in this area that you're sitting in right now. We want you to come and be a part of that. Would you do that? Would you just come and be blessed? And the Lord's really dealing with me about our Wednesday nights, kind of the direction that we're going to be going after that. And I really believe you don't want to miss any of it because I'm going to, I'm asking the Lord to help me to do some teaching on some things that I believe are very imperative to the church, imperative to our leadership, imperative to us growing. And I think that uh, it's, that's what we're, we're, where we're at, the season that we're at. So you ready for the word this morning? Amen. So you've enjoyed the services, and I know that you have. And I know that today's message is going to be a little more practical, and some of you probably don't like when I do that. Some of you like when I do that. I hear a lot of different things. As a pastor, you kind of have to be, uh, you have to be able to understand that God's role for you is a little different than it is for an evangelist. Now, some of you that know my story in 1985, which was a few years ago, some of you are not old enough to remember that. Some of you were very young. Whatever, never born. Some of you were born. You've been there. You know what it is. When God first called me, he called me into the role of an evangelist. That's what I did for several years. I did that. I worked with youth for uh, probably somewhere around 11, 12 years, something like that, before I took my first pastorate in 1995, which was the church that we started. And we saw that church grow. We saw it, uh, God bless it and minister. Still growing, still thriving. Still a, a, church, a church that uh, at one time was there in that building that had completely been shut down for five years and now is a growing, thriving church. And we're so excited about that. But since God has placed us here, we understand that, and I understand that our assignment, my assignment is a little bit different. There are times I'm going to be very uh, uh, evangelical with you. I'm going to give you words. I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to pull, as I say, both barrels back. I'm going to let it fly at you. In, in, in that way, and that's good. We need that. But there are times that as a church, we need practical teaching that a shepherd can only that only a shepherd can give to his flock. Because God's in God's reality or in reality, God has called me first and foremost to feed you and then to lead you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And I believe that's important. If you're not being fed, if I wasn't being fed, I'd find some place where I was being fed. But we believe that you can be fed. We believe that we'll give you enough word that you will leave here with something more than what you came with, something practical that you can apply. And that's one of the things we hear. Hey, Pastor, I, we love it when you get somebody to come in and preach whoever that preacher might be, whoever that person might be. But one of the things we love about you is that you're genuine, you're open, you're transparent, and you're very practical about what you share. It isn't just something that we hear and try to figure out what it is, but we really understand it and can take it and can apply it. Can I tell you that's important because if I toss you a life preserver and you don't know to put it on, you got some problems or you don't know how to. Amen? Amen. I want you to understand how to do that. So, guys, if I'm too loud, y'all can turn me down. I don't know. I can't really tell how I am back there, but uh, you guys can hear it and everything. So I want, here's what I want to do. I want to share with you, first of all, take your Bible. If you've got your Bible, you're going to flip to or turn to the book of Judges. That may take you just a moment if you're like me and your Bible. I've got a new Bible, and it's new only because... I wore out, and the other one is on my desk back there, and it's falling apart. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like coming apart. 
And I bring it, and I, I look at it still because I've got a lot of notes in it, but I bought this one, supposed to be identical, pages and everything else. Don't you know that nobody trained this thing before I got it? And I, I could, the other one I could say, turn to Judges 6, and it would. It knew how to get there. You know what I'm talking about. And I've never been one big on the tabs and all that kind of stuff because I usually rip them out preaching with them. But I've been having trouble. So Judges 16 is actually where we're going to go in just a moment. So if you want to turn there. Here's the thought as you're doing that. We're going to have it up on the screen here. You'll be able to read it as well. Here's something that I've thought about and I would like to put in your heart today. That if you could and if I could take a few moments and really train ourselves to see what the person that is sitting beside of you, in front of you, or behind you are going through or might be going through, how would you deal with them differently? What would you think about? Maybe the person you've invited to church, maybe the neighbor that you've invited to church. And I often wonder that if we could look on the inside of a person, if we might see inside of them the things that are not very obvious. Sometimes they're broken. Sometimes they're hurting. Sometimes that uh, things are going on at the house, in their marriage. They're not obvious to us. Everything, we have heard everything in the church as a pastor that you just about can hear of. and Everything from abusive childhood, devastating divorces, lifetimes of feeling rejected, financial bankruptcy. And it's a sad part that a lot of times many of us miss by just showing up to a church service on Sunday morning. We've never really gathered that. We've never really seen that. You may sit with somebody. It's amazing to me how you can sit with somebody or you can greet them at the door and you can ask them these words. How are you today? And as Christians, people will lie to you and say, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm fine. And we know that on the inside, as a pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you, Bethany would tell you the same thing as a pastor. There are many times that I've asked people, hey, how are you? How are you doing? And it's, it's on the level in a corporate setting that I really can't dig into what's going on, but I know something's not right. I know something is not right. Not, not that they're doing anything wrong. Not that there's any, uh, anything I've done wrong to them, but there's something happening on the inside. There's a war that is going on. And I've asked the Lord to help me train my eyes, God. Train me, Lord. Help me to see and to know when people are hurting. What if God, what if we would pray and say, God, help me that when somebody's hurting, when somebody, when I think something's not quite right, that I have the spiritual integrity to step up and say, God, what can I do? Not that I have to dig into what's going on, but that I will pray for them. Come on, somebody. And I won't just say on Facebook, I'm praying for you, and we never hit a word of prayer. But when we say, because I'm serious about that, if I say I'm praying for you, you can believe I've probably written it down. You're probably on a whiteboard at my house. Your picture's probably nailed to a, a picture board somewhere. And we are intentionally calling out your name in prayer because there's something that God wants to do in you. And I believe, I believe this morning that if we will train our eyes for the people that are here 
that we will see that, we will also train our eyes to see something else that I believe is very important, and that is that we need to understand when we gather together and we believe that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world, that every time we come into the house of God, every time we come into this place and we see an empty chair, that we look at it differently. That the empty chair that might be beside you, in front of you, behind you, represents the life of somebody else. You see, I love overflow. I love those services. But the truth of it is, when I can go back, I can look numerically, statistically, and sometimes we do that to know what's in the church. We know who's coming from where, who was it. We had 15 people who said they give their heart to Jesus Christ during that service. I think that is a wonderful thing. I, I believe that's great. But I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that an empty chair within a church service, if you, if you gave your heart to Jesus on a Sunday or a Monday or whatever it was and you can't find him again the next Sunday, then we need to be the people who have trained our eyes to be able to reach out to that person and say, you know what, God's not finished with you yet. He's not done with you yet. There's something he wants to do in your life. Your life is important. I missed you at church today. Not, I don't need an answer about what's going on. I don't need the details of what's happening in your life. I just want you to know that I am sincerely concerned about what's going on and I want to pray for you and I'm going to pray for your family and I'm going to pray for your kids and I'm not going to stop until I see that empty chair filled because I believe that it's important. You're important. Amen. You know, I didn't realize how people, and I'm going to read this Bible, hang on. I didn't realize how crazy sometimes people can get about chairs. One of the first things I heard during overflow service was, hey, pastor, um, you know, and I, it usually it was said to me in a way that it wasn't like this is your burden because my leaders understand I can't take that burden that somebody was wanting to set somewhere and somebody moved their stuff. That came up in one of the first services. It may have been Sunday night or Monday. I can't remember. But it came up. And we knew that we had a lot of people that were traveling from a distance to come here to hear uh, Pastor John. And we were grateful for that. We were grateful that they were here. But one of the things that really stood out to me was, in my mind, I had already thunk it, as my son would say. And Pastor John said it, and it made perfect sense. And I just wanted you to hear. He said, I'll give up my seat. I'll stand at the platform. I'll stand at the, against the wall, whatever I have to do. Can I tell you, that needs to be our heart, Brother David. That needs to be the way that we look at an empty chair. That's the way. In other words, if if, if i got to give up my chair for somebody else to sit down to hear the the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I need to understand that's why God has me. That's what he's called me to do. It's all right. I don't mind. I've stood by the wall before. I've stood by the back before. Whatever i got to do. But to me, it's important that they hear. We just naturally have attachments to chairs. You may not even remember your kid's name. You may call them everything but the right thing. But you can remember where you sat in church. Come on, somebody. That's just the way that it is. The re That's right. The reason we do that is because we have trained ourselves to do that. We've trained ourselves to be that way. I, I, I think one of, and I'm going to read, just go to Judges. We're going to read it here in just a minute. I believe one of the things that I notice about kids, here's one thing, or children, 
Sister Mickey Rogers would get on to me if I said kids. She'd say they're not goats, they're children. So I, I try to be careful with that, even though I was called a kid when I was little. What I notice about a child many times, when, especially when they're especially small, notice when they say, thank you, no, sir. I notice when they say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I notice those things. And what it tells me, and if your child does not do that, I'm not telling you you're a bad parent, but what I realize is that a parent has intentionally taught that child. They have trained that child, and that child is getting some good manners. They want them to grow up. They want them to be respectful. They want to hear back from whoever is waiting on them in a restaurant or whoever's with them in a church or wherever it is. That, hey, your son, your daughter is so respectful. Amen. We want that. They've been trained in that way. And then I think, and here's the transition that I want you to understand, that sometimes as a pastor, your shepherd, the one that God has put here for this time, I feel like that I have in some ways failed to teach you how to respond to people that come into our church. And I hear good things. I really do. I hear good things from our community when people do come in and when new people come in. Hey, I feel loved. I, I enjoy the church. People seem to care about me. It seems to be genuine. But we really need to know in response of that how we need, we need to really change, and this is the part I feel like I failed, that we need to change the way or train the way that we think about the empty chairs and the new people that show up into our church every week. It should not, it's already awkward enough when a person goes to a new place they've never been to before, but we really want them to feel like when they come to this place that they are welcome. That they, if, if we don't know them and we don't recognize them and we can't call their name out, then we need to approach them, shake their hands, and you say, well, I may have asked them their name before and I can't remember it. You know, it's all right to say, hey, man, I, I'm sorry, I, you probably introduced yourself. My name, is, my name is Tony and I'd like to hear, you know, say it again. And then try, I have, my wife tries to help me with this so much because I sometimes feel terrible at it but she helps me to remember those names and how to repeat those names. And I work on that. And I say that to you because to me, every empty chair is important, which represents a person who's going to come into this place who may come in with all kinds of junk going on in their life. They're, they're, they're swinging from the rope with a knot tied in the end, barely hanging on. They, they, they're waiting on the last straw that broke the camel's back. They're, they're waiting on the disaster that they see is coming and they're needing just somebody to reach out to them and give them hope, to share with them peace, to let them know that there is something better for their life and that the best is yet to come and that God's not finished with them, that as long as there's breath, there's life, and as long as there's life, God still has opportunities. And I believe that God has called us to be that to them. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 17, 2, this is not on the scriptures, it's not my text, but this is what he said. He said it would be better for a millstone to be hung around our neck than uh, and to thrown into the sea that we should offend one of these little ones. And I think a lot of times we believe the little one means a small child, but really in reality Jesus was talking about a new believer. He was talking about a new believer. Do the study, look it up, see what you think. I believe it's a serious matter for a believer 
to cause someone else to stumble. In other words, I wouldn't go back to church again. I've, I've read a lot of stuff on this. I wouldn't go back to church. I don't belong in church. I've heard so many things. I've had people say, I can't go to church. If I go to church, the walls will cave in. They will collapse. Can I tell you that I believe that it's a responsibility of the body of Christ to let those people know that we had a story too and that ours wasn't so good either and we didn't look so good. We didn't and smell so good, things were bad in our life, but it's because of Jesus Christ and the work at Calvary that he did in our hearts and in our lives that we are who we are today and we're just wanting you to know that God loves you the way that he loves me. Come on. I had to ask Nathan this morning because this is one of those things that I, I feel like sometimes we're bad about. We had a, a guy, we have people that show up regularly and a lot of times they'll show up on the service, at the service times, after the service times, because normally they're wanting something. And we had a guy that he's, he's shown up here a few times, and I wish that, you know, honestly and truthfully that we could uh, do something else more. And it, my heart breaks because I've seen him many times, and the neighbors are scared to death of him. And he shows up in the parking lot, and, and, and he was telling the story, and he was pointing. He said, I went to the church down the road, and I don't even know where he's talking. I don't even know what church. I'm assuming that it's right. I'm assuming it's correct. But he said, all I did was ask them for prayer. All I wanted to do was somebody to pray for me. He said, man, I need prayer. I need prayer in my life. And I believe the man was sincere. And he said they were staring and looking at each other like they didn't know what to do. And one of them said, well, what do we do? And the other one said, well, I guess we need to pray. And I'm a, he said, I'm so thankful. He said, Nathan, he didn't call Nathan's name, but he brought me up here. And he didn't just, he didn't just wonder what to do. He said, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. I mean, we need, you know what, church? There are going to be people that these seats represent that don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't act like us. They don't have the income that we have. And, but they are still hurting. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We're, we've got a we go ye gospel with a come to us attitude. And we're saying... We want God to do something in our church. We want revival in our church. Can I tell you, we've, we've had enough church this past week. We could probably go for a while and not get any more church. But we got a lost and dying world that needs to hear Jesus right in our own community. And it's up to us to share that Jesus with them. We are the hands. We are the feet. We are the mandate to the world. We are God's plan A to the world. When he went away, he said, the same Jesus that you see, go away. He will come again in the same or like manner. But I'm telling you, before he went away, he had has given us a command and a commission that will never go away and it will not change. Amen. I, I'm not even preaching these notes, but it's what's on my heart. I, I was thinking about chairs again. I'm going back because the chair is what's significant to me. Isn't it something how you can go to, a, you can go on an airplane, and there's three chairs or two, and you say, How about, how about going into a movie theater to watch a movie and you want that, you know, I don't want, I, let me go get somewhere where nobody can get next to me. What about your chair in church? What about the, per, what about the one empty next to you or behind you in front of you? And you say, Pastor, what about it? Well, there's a team, the worship team, the nursery team, the, meet, the production team, the children's church team, 
uh, the, uh, our greeters, our ushers, the people that are in our parking lot, a lot of people that worked hard, that our prayer team that have been praying and believing that God would send people into this service. They've been practicing their heart out on the songs. They've been trying to get everything just right because we believe that we want to serve with excellence, that we want to do the right thing. And they've been doing all of those things. We've got an amazing hospitality. They're waiting at the doors. They're greeting people to be in, to come helpful. Yet we've got some folk praying in their heart, please don't let anybody sit next to me. An empty chair. It's serious. And I think that we need and I need to help us to change the way that we think about an empty chair. The priority of it can never be in church about myself and what I want and my family, my friends. Come on. And if that is my priority, here's one of the things we hear. I'm going to share this with you. I promise you I'm going to read you scripture. We hear this regularly when people, I hear people invite people to church. First thing they want to know. One of the first things is, you've got anything for my kids? Have you got anything for my dog? And that is very important. The next thing is, what kind of music do you do? What, what is, what's the music that you do? We hear a lot of things about church. You know what that tells me? It, that tells me that, that a lot of times people, I know they're concerned, and I'm not being, please don't think I'm being ugly here, but a lot of times we're really concerned about what the church can give to us. What, what is it that, hey, if I'm going to come there and I'm going to give my offerings, if I'm going to give my tithe, then I expect something in return. But I'm here to tell you that the Word of God is very true and it's very specific and it's very sure that when you give to the Lord, you give with your hands off it. You've done to, released it to God because the only way that you can ever have the blessings of God is to release what's in your hand. The only way that you're ever going to reap a harvest is when you sow that seed and let that seed go. If you reach down, pick it up, gather it up and walk off with it, it'll never grow but when you make up your mind hey, I'm scattering seed that I believe is in fertile ground that God is going to bless, it isn't just about me, my four and no more, but it's about the lost who represent the people who need to be sitting in empty chairs that need to know Jesus Christ and believe me, believe me there's enough lost in our city in our neighborhood, in our community that we could not fit them all in this place what will you do pastor we've got a plan don't you worry about it we got a plan and God will take care of it but we've got to prepare for the harvest come on I, I just I told you I'm trying to be pastoral preach to you pastorally this morning there's I think that people sometimes that are what we call far from God we used to use the word term lost and I think lost is a, is a term that we understand, but far from God means they may be walking at a distance from God. They may be very far away from God. They may have even one time known God. People that are far from God a lot of times don't realize that they really are at a distance from Him. They got stuff going on in their life, but they don't really gather the fact, hey, I'm really at a distance from God. I'm far from God. Do you remember the story, and this is where we'll transition here to this. Do you remember the story in... Uh, judges, which is where we're going to go, about Samson. I won't have time to get into all of Samson's story. But do you remember the story, and most of us have heard it, if we were in Sunday school or we've been in children's church, we know the story about Samson and Delilah. And we know the fact that, that Samson, and if you, if you do the parallels, any 
Bible scholar will tell you that Samson is like a, he's like a type of the church. He's a type of the church in the way that if we're not careful that are the, uh, the type of people that if we're not careful, we will toy with the things that we know we're not supposed to. The Bible says that from his birth, he was a Nazarite. He was set apart for God's purpose and God's plan. He was one of the, the judges. So from birth, there were a few things he wasn't supposed to do. Let's just point out the obvious. He was not, never supposed to cut his hair. So the Bible says that he done several things. One, he hung out with some harlots. That's what the Bible says, prostitutes, red light districts. He was down in places he knew he shouldn't be. Isn't it true that the church a lot of times does things? Even when I say the church, just as a sometimes not just everybody, but most people end up doing things we know we shouldn't do. We we should not be there. We should not be represented in that area. Yet we we try to get as close as we can. Listen to what I'm going to tell you about this. The Bible says that Delilah he would go to uh, Delilah would come to him, his now girlfriend, and say, "Hey, Samson, I want to know." The, the source of your strength. Can you tell me what it is? And Samson would toy with her. She really wanted to know the source of his strength to turn him over to the enemy, which was the Philistines, which was the enemy of Israel, which would make this thing, I mean, it was going to get, it would be bad. And that's really the whole oxen. Can I share with you today that the enemy will toy with your faith he will toy with your emotions. He will toy with your feelings. He will tell you lies that are not truth about your pastor, about your church, about the person sitting next to you to try to get you to give up your life for Christ. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says that Samson laid his head in the lap of Delilah. She would fool with his hair. She'd say, tell me what the source of your strength is. And he said, look, if you take these dried bowstrings and you tie me up, he said, I'll be as weak as any other man. That was the first time. The second time, she, he said, if you'll take new ropes and you'll tie me up, I, I'll be as weak as any man. And then the third time, one of the third, the third time, she, he said, weave my hair together, put it in a loom, and I, I'm weak as any man. Now, all of these occasions, we read the scriptures. The Bible says that Samson, they would say, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are the enemies on you. What are you going to do? And Samson would get up, he would shake himself, and under the power, because the power of God was on him, he would rip loose whatever had tied him, he would break free like it was twigs or twine, and he would step up and he would whoop the Philistines. But he kept, listen to this, gradually toying with what he knew he was not supposed to. The Bible says that he drifted from the Lord, and the Bible says the last time that he messed up, he told her the truth, which was cutting his hair, and when he got up to shake himself, when they told him the Philistines were upon him, he didn't even realize that the Lord had left him. Listen to this, Judges 16. This is where we're going to end. 16, verses 17 through 20. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. He said, my hair has never been cut, he confessed. I've dedicated to God. I've been dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and I've, my head's never been shaved. If, if you do that, my strength would leave me. I'll become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized what he had told her was the truth, so he went, sent for the Philistine ruler. Come back one more time, she said, for he's finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands to give to Delilah. Delilah lulled him to sleep. 
with, uh, with his head in her lap, and she called uh, to the man to shave off the locks of his hair. And when she began to, uh, when she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Look at this. Then she cried out, "Samson, the Philistines are come to capture you." When he woke up. He thought, look at this, I will do as I have done before and shake myself free. There's nothing that can hold me here, but he didn't even realize that the Lord had touched him. Now, I'm telling you that because I, I really believe sometimes we can come to church, we, we can sometimes mess around in areas that we don't need to be messing around in, and we can let the enemy mess with our stuff so much that we come to church that we don't even realize that it's not the preacher that's got a problem. It's not the deacons that's got a problem. It's not the person sitting next to us that's got a problem. But there's something going on in my life that I need to turn loose of, that I need to let go of, that I need to let God have palms down because I know that I have a messed up way of thinking because don't you know that the enemy will use your thought patterns? He will tell you stuff. Come on, somebody. That's a lie. And that's why the Bible teaches to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Why? How do you know that, Pastor? Because if you don't take it captive and you believe what the lies the enemy is telling you, that eventually you can believe that lie to the point that you believe that's who you are. That's who you have become. And Samson believed or began to believe that he could mess with this thing long enough and finally the Bible says his strength was gone. What are you telling me? I'm telling you some people believe that wrong thinking is optional and I'm here to tell you that God's word says it's not. That how I think about an empty chair, how I think about the person sitting next to me, how, do I, how I think about myself, wrong thinking in any of those areas are not optional. Wrong thinking may make you and others around you prisoner to some form of oppressiveness that the enemy would use against you. I believe that God wants us as the body of Christ to show compassion. When we show compassion, when we bless that person, when we recognize, Nathan, there are those guys that need the Lord. They don't look like us, smell like us, act like us. They don't have the income. They may even be living on the streets. That that's God's open door for us to bless that person. I'm not talking about, I'm not necessarily talking about money. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about that we we open our hearts up and say, hey, how can I pray for you? What is it that you're needing? What is it that you need? Lord, don't let your spirit lead me and not even recognize. Don't let me just come to church and go through the motions of church. And Lord, bless me and bless my family. And what can I get out of it? And oh, wasn't all of that great and wonderful? While the rest of our community is lost without Jesus, or a lot of our community is lost without Jesus, looking for a hope, looking for a peace, looking for the answers. In the same world we're living in, I'm here to declare to you that an empty chair is a serious matter and we need to recognize it. Amen. I believe that when we do that, those seeds that we've planted, they're going to grow, they're going to come back to you and I. I'm going I'm to share with you a couple thoughts here. and I, I, I'm just not going to belabor all of this a long time, but I believe that the seed you plant will grow, come back to you in a harvest. There's a woman in Acts chapter 9, there's no verses on the screen, I'm not going to read that, about a woman named Dorcas who made clothes for people in her community. The Bible says that she died, but she was so important that she was raised from the dead because she was that valuable. Read the scriptures for yourself, Acts chapter 9. 
I believe there needs to be in our life, there needs to be something that says about, you know what, I'm so valuable to the people that God has called me to. That's what you need to understand, that God has called you to somebody. He has put people within the reach of your life that you can reach out, give them a hand, and help them up. And I'm not always, I know monetary is what we're thinking about. And sometimes that's what we need to do. But I'm here to tell you that spiritually we need to reach out and give a hand up. We need to help people in ways that they never expected us to help them. God wants to do something in their life, but they're so concerned that they don't belong or fit in in the church or they're not like those people in the church that a lot of them are not going to show up to our church. God put them within our reach. We're to go ye into the hedges, into the highways. Compel them to come in. Come on. First thing I'll give you thought to consider. God wants his house. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 23. I'm going to give you the digested version of this. Jesus gave a parable, and he was talking about a man who went prepared a feast. He sent out a lot of invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent for all of his guests to come. And then the Bible gives us some things that begin to happen. He says, come, the banquet is ready. Go to the next screen. But they all began to make excuses. One saying, hey, look. I've just bought this brand new piece of property. I can't, I can't do anything with, you know, I can't come. The next one says, look, I've bought five pair of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. I mean, this guy's got all the food ready. He's ready to go. And then another one says this. I like this one, and I think it's the humor in the Bible. Verse 20, go back. Look at what it says. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what all had been said. He tells them, go out into the streets, to the alleys, in the town. Invite the poor. Invite the crippled. Bring the lame. Bring the, those that are, are blind. And after the servant did this, look at what he says. There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country. Go further out and, and behind the hedges and, and urge anyone you find to come so that, my, look at this, so that my house would be full. Here, here's the point that I need to bring to you from these scriptures, that every one of them began to give excuse why they couldn't. We, we hear excuses all the time why they can't be here, do something, serve here. And it's just true. It's just the way that it is. It's life. It's the way things happen. But Jesus gave this parable because he wanted us to understand that sometimes people were, are going to do that. And he was representing what a lot of people are like even today. And then he said, you know what? Don't just stop there. Go out and reach those people that, are, that don't smell like you, look like you, act like you, talk like you, and bring them in. And he said, well, we've done that, and there's still room. And Jesus said, don't you stop there. You go out a little bit further, go into the country, and you invite them. Look at what he says, so that my house may be full. Why? It is the responsibility of God's people, somebody say me, to fill his house. That's, that's God's responsibility. It's set on us. We see that. Why? Because God has put that responsibility on us. You know what he's saying? We have all got people within our reach that we shouldn't pray away. <laughs> Amen. We shouldn't pray them away. But this responsibility is for us to reach them. And we'll never know the reach that we have until we reach out. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to tell you. You know somebody in your life 
that you can talk to, reach out to, that I will never be able to reach. I will never be able to make your reach. In other words, it doesn't matter how good that I am, how great of a preacher, they may not even ever come to hear me, but until you reach out to that person that God has put within your reach and you say to them, hey, I, I'm, you're a friend to them, you've built a relationship with them, hey, I want you to come, you've extended that out, you've built that relationship and they will say yes. More people are looking for us to, they want to say yes to us, they're just waiting on us to invite them. It's our responsibility to fill that out. I'm going to tell you, there's certain people that ha who have an amazing gift for getting people in the church. Why? Many times they're new Christians when they, they come to church. We'll have people we can always tell when they're new. They don't, they, they're not put out, burnt out, and upset with everything else. They'll say, hey, look, we love church. We've invited this person. We've invited that person. Maybe they're new in Christ, but they know that there are lost people that need to hear. There are people that are far from God. They need to hear about Jesus Christ. The reason many of us who are now Christians and have been Christians for years don't really reach out the way that we do is because we've learned who the Christian people are who run the restaurants, who run the dry cleaners. Come on, somebody. People that are like us that we can go to, and there's nothing wrong with that until we get to the point where we don't know as many lost people as we once did. Our reach is not what it once was. And so we have to do things like go and, and join a gym somewhere just to find somebody we don't know that we can share Jesus Christ with. Church, it is our responsibility. Number two, look at this. You and I have got to purposely search for lost people. We must purposely start searching for the lost. Uh, 12 through 14. I'm not going to read all that again or read these scriptures to you, but it, he turned to, that, to the person who was the host and he said, look, after you've done all of this, then it says, look down at the last verse. It says, for they will invite you back and they, they will be your only reward. You know what he was simply saying to them? You're going to invite people that can never repay you. You're going you're gonna to reach out to people. Jeremy, you're going to reach out to people that will never be able to repay you what they, they want to. I have done things for people that there is no way I knew possible they could ever give back to me what they felt like they owed me. But aren't you glad that your reward is not here, that it's in heaven, and that when Jesus returns and he will return, the Bible says, and his reward is with him, that he so urgently and anxiously wants to give you his his reward, he won't even wait. He's bringing it with you. Amen. Let me let me move on. Thirdly, we got to learn to make investments with people who are hungry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to close this thing out as quick as I can. What do you mean make investments in people that are hungry? If you read early in this parable, there are three people who invited. All of them had excuses. We only hear the three that Jesus mentioned. One needed to look at his field. The other one bought a team of oxen. He wanted to test it out. The other one's married a girl. He had honeydews to work on. That's the only thing I can figure. Truth is, they all had excuses. But listen to me, everybody listen. I need you to hear this. An empty chair is a spiritual meal. If we're not careful as people who regularly fill chairs in a church service, we lose our hunger. We're not hungry. As one person says, we go from hungry to hangry. We just get angry. We get bitter. Or people, things aren't right anymore. Something's wrong. 
He didn't preach like I wanted. He, he didn't preach like the preacher that was here last week. I know that. <laughs> Amen. I just know that. He, he, you know, the, the crowd, they, they didn't show up like we thought they would. We go, from, we go from hungry to hangry. We get angry with what's going on instead of realizing, you know what? This mandate doesn't, it, it rests on our pastor, but it's not all on my pastor. It, it rests on the worship team. They're part of this church, but it doesn't all rest on them. And then we start looking at the inside of ourselves because I'm going to tell you, my wife will tell you, the first person, I don't, I'm not a finger point. I'm one, the first thing I start doing, she will tell you if what I'm saying is true. I start looking at myself and I start saying, God, is there something in my life? Is there something that I'm not doing? Is there something that I've missed? Lord, have I failed you somewhere? Did I say something wrong to somebody? Because, God, I don't want to make the mistake of, of an empty chair in our house that needs to be filled. And I'm the reason. I'm the re I didn't pray for them. I didn't do what you called me to do. I didn't fill your house like you mandated me to fill your house. I'm waiting on somebody else. And, Lord, I don't need to be waiting on somebody else. This responsibility rests on me. I gotta, but I've got to find hungry people. What's a hungry person? I was at a place here not long ago. and I'm, I'm, I honestly was kind of somewhat down a little bit, honestly. And I left and I called my wife. And, and this person's probably been here maybe once or twice or something, maybe to an event or something. And... They took the time to tell me something that at that moment was very important to me that I never, I hadn't shared with them. They said, this person said, Pastor, I just want you to know that you have touched my life. I was like, okay, because the event they were here for wasn't necessarily an event that you would think, hey. They said, no, you got to understand that through, and they named the person in this church. And they said, I see the life they're living now, and I knew the life they lived before, and it's because I'm watching that in their life that my life is different. I know I'm watching them. And then they went on to say, and they were pointing at a place not too far off, and he said, I know what you've done for this community and for those people, and I know that it's because, and I wasn't there for some kind of pat on the back, but God knew in that moment in my life that I needed to know that somebody else was still really hungry. Somebody else really wanted to hear. Somebody else really wanted to know uh, that Jesus Christ loves them, cares about them, concerned about them. So I really decided in my heart, Lord, put me in touch with some hungry people. God, I want as many hungry people as I can. Lord, give me as many hungry people as I can. Lord, even if they're not desirable for everybody else, if they're not desirable for uh, a lot of times, people don't, their families don't even want them. They don't even care about them. Hungry people. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it's not up to you, young lady. I'm not telling you to go pick up hitchhikers because uh, that's not what you need to do. Young men, I'm not telling you you need to show up at a strip club to win them to Jesus. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you don't have any business there. God will use the people that he needs to use to take care of that. But what I do want you to know is that God has put people within your reach, in your life, and all you've got to do is to reach out to them one time, and they're going to turn. They're going to say, yes, I'll come to Easter service. I'll come to a Christmas service. I'll come to see your baby dedicated. I'll come because your child's singing, whatever it might be. Because an empty chair is a serious matter, and we need to take it serious. There's a heart.
Won't you guys, if you will, have me, I think Pastor B's got the key for This all starts with prayer. We spent those days in August of 